Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, yet you care about us in an intimate way, God. I just ask that you would help us to find our rest in you, our delight in you, Lord, knowing that you are our light, our salvation, our strength. God, I pray that you would be with us in the remainder of this service. Would you bless the reading of your word and the words that Pastor Jessica shares with us this morning. God, may our heart, our hearts be open to you, to hear from you today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Hear the word of the Lord. You want. This passage will be read as a responsive reading, so as the section is labeled, all appear on the screen, please read aloud with me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I keep asking, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you just take one more moment just to pray as we enter into this time of worship through the word with me. Lord, may this time be pleasing to you. Posture our hearts to hear what you would have us hear. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As I have gone alone in there, and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret where and hint of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt and take it in the canyon down. 
not far, but too far to walk, put in below the home of Brown. From there, it's no place for the meek. The end is drying ever nigh. There will be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to cease. But tarry scant with marvel gaze, just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answer I already know. I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. Now, this is not Dr. Seuss Day. This is actually a poem that was written by a guy named Forrest Fenn. Some of you may have heard of Forrest Fenn. I had not before a few weeks ago. But these are the words penned in the late art collector Forrest Fenn's personal memoir, The Thrill of the Chase. And for about a decade, people have become obsessed with this poem and finding what has become known as Fenn's Treasure. See, within the lines of that poem that I just read, there are nine clues which, if figured out and solved correctly, will actually lead you to hidden treasure. And not just some some small rinky-dink treasure. This is a legit treasure that was just hidden like 10 years ago. Inside this 13th century bronze chest is a treasure estimated to be worth about $5 million. And it was out there for anyone to find. It included 265 gold coins, gold nuggets, various gemstones, jewelry, ancient figurines, along with, of course, Forrest Fenn's 20,000-word autobiography. That's, that's a treasure in itself. And not only that, but Fenn himself, Mr. Fenn, verified that whoever found this treasure could keep it. No holds barred. I give you title to the gold. Of course, some people doubted that it existed because there's doubters in the world. But thousands of people, thousands of people were convinced not only that it existed, but that it was worth seeking out. And they became obsessed with this treasure, rightly so. They were fixated on, on solving the clues in that poem. They read it over and over. I'm sure had it memorized backwards and frontwards. They studied the poem, the book. They studied Fenn himself to the point where they knew everything there was to know about Fenn, except, of course, where he hid the treasure. One man even joined Ancestry.com to just learn about Forrest Fenn because he thought maybe knowing about Forrest Fenn would help him find the treasure. A small handful of people, I think it was maybe three or four people, even became so dedicated at finding this treasure that in their search, they died seeking out this treasure. They thought they had the right location. Turns out it was really dangerous. They couldn't find it, and they died. 
Although Fenn says, well, it, it's not actually hidden in a dangerous location. It, hard to find, yes, but it's not dangerous. Now, I can tell a couple of you guys are already like, so what time's service over? Can I head out and pack my bags and go find this treasure? But before you do, just hang tight. Don't ditch out on us yet because there's more to the story, which you'll hear in a little bit. But isn't there just something captivating about stories like this of, of hidden treasure? Discovering lost treasure. That's why there's so many books and movies. I mean, even our VBS, it's treasure island, mystery island. We like these kinds of stories of, of treasure and finding something that's lost. Growing up, my dad, shout out to my dad on this Father's Day, kind of poured into this sense of adventure by introducing us kids to the Indiana Jones movies. And for a short time, I was convinced that I could be an archaeologist and find my own secret lost treasure. And then, I don't remember how old I was, but at some point, among other reasons, I decided, I think everything that's worth finding has been found. So I, I changed course with my life. But those kinds of, of stories inspire us. They excite something in us. It's the same reason why, why kids like hide-and-seek so much, right? Because there's just something about getting to look for someone who's just out there waiting to be found. We like seeking. We have this built-in desire in us to seek. To find what's lost and hidden. Whether it's an answer to a math problem or a hidden treasure. To know what we don't know yet. Almost like we just, we can't resist it. It's, it's just in us. We want to find those things out. In fact, everyone in their life spends their life seeking something. Everyone spends their life seeking something. Maybe it's seeking love or happiness. Maybe riches or, or fame. Maybe you are just searching for the perfect cup of coffee or the perfect job, the perfect Mr. or Mrs. so-and-so, maybe seeking the answers to life itself. And of course, no matter what it is that you're seeking, at some point you decided this thing is worth seeking and I can't live without it. And so I'm going to pour all of my time and energy into seeking out this thing. You decided that. Everyone decided that at some point. And so every decision, every thought somehow focuses your attention on seeking out that thing that you've said, I want to seek this out. And of course, in every seeking, you go through uh, seasons of excitement where you feel like, I'm so close, I, I almost have it. And of course, seasons of, of disappointment, even being distraught, wondering if I'm ever going to find whatever it is I'm seeking. But you never lose hope. You're always just driven by finding whatever it is you're looking for because you're, you're convinced it exists. You're convinced it's just waiting to be discovered. Otherwise, you wouldn't be looking for it, right? We don't look, things that we look for things that we think don't actually exist. And that eternal kind of optimism in us just keeps drawing us forward 
continually seeking out, ever hopeful, driven, expectant, almost like when you return to the arcade time and time again because you think that maybe with this quarter you'll get the stuffed little puppy dog. Maybe this time, just, just one more try. See, we as humans are, are driven. We're, we're determined. We're hopeful, are we not? At, at the core of our being. But I wonder... I wonder if we were to seek out God with that same kind of fervor. This same kind of obsession that drove thousands of people to the Rocky Mountains to look for Fenn's treasure. To spend years of their lives looking for something that they desperately hoped actually did exist. This kind of obsession that pours us to pour every, every moment, every dollar, every thought, every waking moment into finding whatever it is that we're seeking. What if we were to seek out God with that same level of intensity? See, because if we were created with this kind of built-in desire to seek, surely there had to be someone behind that, right? I mean, there wasn't just all of a sudden in the middle of the forest just a treasure chest. No, Fen Forest hid that treasure there. And in the same way, this, this built-in desire that we have to seek out something was placed there by God. God built in this desire to seek out, and not only to seek out, he is the one we should be seeking. And so what if we were so convinced that God is so worth seeking in our lives that we poured our time and our energy and our every waking moment into looking, seeking out, where we might find God in the moments of our lives. What if? In Psalm 27, this psalm that was read just a moment ago for us, it feels as if this is the way King David felt about seeking God. See, if you have your Bibles with you, open up to Psalm 27 and take a look at, at verse 4. He says, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I mean, this is, this is a guy who's obsessed with God. Not only does he want to find God, he wants to be able to sit and, and to soak, to dwell with God. He wants to inquire of God, to meditate, to know everything about him because he's actually experienced him face to face and he's left no stone unturned. He wants to be the expert on God. Not because he's studied him on Ancestry.com, but because he's been with him. 
the one thing that David desired more than anything else in the world was God. And he spent his whole life searching for God. And of course, he came to this conclusion, just like we all do when we are making a decision to seek something out. He came to this conclusion that out of everything worth seeking out, God was most worth it. And he's, he's seen a lot. He's experienced a lot. I mean, he was a king after all. He's experienced a lot of good things and a lot of bad things. Last week, Pastor Chris reminded us how some paths take us closer to God and some take us farther away from him. And David has ventured down both of those. Not only that, he's experienced his fair share of difficulties, his share of mountaintops and valleys, as Pastor Jared mentioned a couple weeks ago. He talks about his adversaries, his foes, an enemy army, an entire army, encamped against him. And yet, because he's seen and experienced these things, as well as plenty of good, he knows that God is worth pursuing. Why? Well, just scan through those verses. David tells us in verse 1, he says, The Lord is my light, my salvation, the stronghold of my life. Verse 5, he will hide me in his shelter, conceal me. He'll lift me high upon the rock. Verse 6, my head will be lifted above my enemies. And the result of all of this is joy. It's, it's songs and praises and melodies, David says. I mean, these are the things that seeking God will result in for David and, and for us. And yet that is such a tiny, minuscule view of all that God is and all that he has to offer. The Bible is filled with all the goodness and grace of God that he offers his children. And so David is standing on this path that points towards God, and he's decided this is the path that I want to walk. But here's the thing. Just standing on that path isn't enough. Like just, just standing there, he has to actually walk down it. To actually seek out God. To look for and, and pursue him. See, every treasure hunter has to weigh out the cost of the search and then decide, yes, it's worth pursuing, and then actually go out and look for it. It's, it's not the same to just say, you know, Fen's treasure sounds pretty interesting. I'm going to Google it. Yep, sounds cool. I hope I find that. Good luck from your computer chair. You have to actually get up Pack your bags and head out to the Rocky Mountains if you expect to ever have a chance of finding it. You have to actively trek and journey to find it. Because that's where the true thrill comes in, right? The, th the true joy is in the search. I mean, sure, you can get excited about hidden treasure, reading about it online and watching a video of it. Cool. But 
it's not the same until you actually have boots on the ground and you are looking for it. I mean, it's like the difference between looking at pictures of some place that you would love to go and actually packing your bags, buying your plane ticket, flying out there and experiencing it, right? Or, or it's the difference between seeing a picture and hearing the story about your newborn little baby grandchild and actually driving out to hold that little bundle of joy in your arms. It's not the same, right? To just, to just think about it, to look at a picture of it and actually experience it. See, I wonder how many of us are standing on the path that leads to God but have never actually thought to venture down and discover all that seeking and experiencing God has to offer. Like, well, I'm, I'm a good person. I read my Bible. I know my Bible. I, I come to church every week. I, I believe in God. But have you ever so deeply desired to find him that you actually sought him out? Standing on the path that leads to God is great but you don't actually experience the thrill and joy of all that he has to offer until you actually start looking for him. Taking steps towards finding him. See, seeking God requires a dedicated desire and an active pursuit driven by the singular focus of finding him. I know that's a lot in one line, so I'll say it one more time. Seeking God requires a dedicated desire and an active pursuit driven by the single focus of finding him. But I am guessing that some of you, not all, but some of you today have ventured down that road, right? Some of you are like, yep, I'm, I'm tracking with you, Jessica. I, I've, I've tried that. I've, I've walked on God's path for my life. You recognize that, that he is worth the journey. You maybe even heard rumors of God showing up in people's lives. And yet, you feel like you keep coming up empty. Like every time you set out on that journey, you're like the disciples who were fishing all night long and caught nothing after casting and casting and trying. Their nets came up empty and, and desperation starts to seek in. And you wonder, will I ever find God? Will he ever show up? Maybe, maybe he's not even out there after all. And can I tell you, if that's you, that doesn't make you a bad Christian. That doesn't make you a bad Christian. David's been there, and he was a, a pretty good Christ follower before Christ was born. 
He started out with this decision and dedication to pursue God, and he was driven by the joy of what was awaiting him to the point where he was just obsessed with finding God. One thing have I asked, that will I seek. But then notice how his tone changes in verse 7. Take a look at verses 7 through 9. He says, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. See, this is something different. This isn't the joy and jubilee that he had just a couple verses ago. This is desperation, even frustration, resentment, and anger. He says, God, you told me to seek, and I am, so where are you? I keep looking, and I'm, I'm eager to find you. I'm faithful, so why do I keep coming up empty? See, at some point, every obsession reaches desperation. When the search feels like it's just too much and you're tempted to lose sight of the prize and just turn back and go home. Because maybe this whole thing was a hoax and there's nothing to even find. And I think again of those disciples that the Gospels talk about who were out fishing all night and caught nothing. And then Jesus comes along and you remember what he said to them? He said, cast your, net, your nets out just one more time. I mean, just picture their faces. Like, they are beat. They're tired. They're exhausted. And here this guy comes in and says, throw your nets out one more time. Are you kidding me? And they have nothing to show for their effort. And yet, Jesus looks at them and says, in the midst of their desperation, just, just try again. Just try it. See, after his moment of desperation, look at where David returns. He says, teach me your ways, O Lord. Lead me on a level path. And then in verse 13, he says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. See, David's desperation didn't sway his determination to find God. It drove him forward. See, just because we haven't found the treasure yet doesn't mean it doesn't exist the discouragement we sometimes experience when we're seeking God doesn't discount his existence. It just means we haven't found him yet. And instead of spiraling down into desperation, perhaps this should drive us forward to seeking God all the more. He may be hard to see sometimes, but he desires to be found.
Now, I told you earlier that there was more to the story about Fen's hidden treasure. So here it is. In June of last year, websites that were helping track all of the clues, all the information, gathering everyone's input to try to find this treasure were plastered with headlines announcing that the hunt is off, Fen's treasure has been found. So don't pack your bags, return your tickets. It has been found. Fen himself verified that it was, in fact, the treasure he hid in the exact location that he hid it about a decade ago. And, of course, people had mixed emotions about this, this whole thing when the, fun, when the hunt was finally over. Of course, the man who found it was, was a little excited. But even Fen's family we're thankful for the chance to finally dispel the naysayers who refused to accept the truth, who thought all along it's not even a real thing. Even those who, who didn't find the treasure kind of were a, a mixed bag of emotions when they heard the news. One man had spent several years of his life making multiple trips out to the Rocky Mountains to seek out the treasure, and he wrote as kind of a reflection on his blog when he heard the news. Part of me was just relieved because it's one of those things that always sits in the back of your mind. Where was it, and how close was I to finding it and changing my life forever? But another part of me was sad because this meant there would be no more trips to find the treasure chest filled with gold in the middle of the forest. And for those thousands of hopefuls who had sought out the treasure, that was it. That was the end of the story. And it's over. Thankfully, seeking God isn't like seeking out hidden treasure in that sense. See, there's not one single cache of God that once found means no one else can have any. When someone experiences for themselves God's goodness and comfort and strength and, and protection, that doesn't mean there's none left for the next person. God's not saying, whoops, sorry, just fresh out, my bad, better luck next time. No. God doesn't say that. God is abundant. His goodness, his, his comfort and strength and salvation are never-ending because God is never-ending. There is always more of him to be found and in new and fresh ways every single moment of every single day. And if you're someone who's sitting here and wondering if God is even out there to be found, just ask someone sitting near you. Because I have heard just, just some of the stories from you of how God has shown up in your life when you've been seeking him. There are countless stories all across this room of how God has shown up when we have tried to seek him out. God can and will 
be found by those who seek him. Whether you've been searching for him for years, or you didn't even know you were searching for him until the moment you walked through these doors, God can and will be found by those who seek him. Believe that you will look upon his goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. So my question for you today is are you seeking God? Or maybe for some of you, are you still seeking God? Not half-heartedly, only when it's convenient or you need something, but with a determined and desperate and ever-hopeful, active pursuit of God. Like seeking out a hidden treasure, just waiting to be found. Because there is no greater treasure to be found than God himself. And the thrill and, and joy of discovering God in, in everyday moments and, and life-changing miracle moments can't be compared to anything else in this world. One thing, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Are you seeking God? Are you still seeking God? Would you pray with me? Lord, you sense the the desire and the determination that is felt in this room. And Lord, some have been seeking you for years and have come up empty. So Lord, I just pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a new and fresh and powerful way because you desire to be found. And Lord, if there's some who have never even thought to seek you out, Lord, give them that desire in their heart to seek you and find you because you are the only one who is worth seeking out in this world. Lord, be the desire of our hearts. Be the sole focus of our attention in a world where there's so many other things that are vying for our attention. Lord, give us a singular focus on you and knowing you. Because, Lord, in the end, we will not come up empty. If we seek you, we will find you. Strengthen us to look. Strengthen us for the journey. Encourage us to find you more and more each and every day. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that you loved us enough to make yourself known. 
And so help us to know you more as we leave this morning. Lord, it's in your name we pray all of these things. In your holy name we pray. You guys, I love being at Lakeview Church. I mean, there are lots of reasons why that's true, but one of the things that I've just been reflecting on over this last year is being here, I am growing spiritually as a result of the wonderful team that God has brought together. And it is a joy to work alongside of our pastoral staff and to work alongside of each and every one of you. And God is doing something special in our midst these days. And we got to just keep leaning into that. God's teaching us. He's shaping us. He's forming us. And we just got to stay open to him and let him do his work in and through us. Amen? Good. I'm glad you said amen to that. Hey, we're going to wrap up our service here today. I just want to remind you of Vacation Bible School, in case you didn't catch on that something was happening this week. Um, we have Vacation Bible School. That's what all of the decorations are about. That starts tonight at 6 p.m. So we want to encourage you again, if you have kids, bring them. If you have grandkids, bring them. If you have kids in your neighborhood, invite them to come. Uh, we want to see a lot of young kids and families here this week for VBS. And again, that starts tonight and runs through Thursday night. Next Sunday, we will have our closing rally for Vacation Bible School. It will happen right here in this room. Our kids will be helping to lead us in worship. And then right after the service, we're going to have a summer party. And we're doing that for two reasons. One, to celebrate the conclusion of Vacation Bible School. And then secondly, we want to celebrate our ordinands, Pastor Jessica and Pastor Christian, who will be ordained on Friday night. So we're going to have a, a picnic out here on the back uh, lawn out here we got the playgrounds back here, and we're going to have a blow-up obstacle course because Mike Rohrbach wants to challenge everybody on that obstacle course. So hopefully you guys will be here and be a part of that. Um, and we're going to have a great time uh, right after church. Again, we'll have ice cream, and somebody's getting slimed next week, and I hope it's me, actually. So um, we'll see how the kids do on the offering. But lots of great things happening this week. Be in prayer that this will be an impactful week of ministry. Would you stand with me as we close out our service today? My brothers and sisters, as you go from this place today, would you go with one focus in your heart and in your mind? May your sights be set on God and may you seek after him with all of your heart. Because when you seek him with all of your heart, you will find him. Go with that hope in your heart. You are sent out.